on. I'm on three seats. <laughs> Look, there it goes again. You're listening to Ithaca Now. WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Jordan Broking, and thanks for joining us. Tonight, two interviews. One with the Downtown Ithaca Alliance. We are about at 50% of foot traffic that we would normally see. And that's a lot, of, that, that's up substantially. And another with the Cherry Arts Collective on their upcoming show, The Fan, and socially distanced season of shows. And we try to work out like creative ways to pass, you know, quote unquote, pass the fan from one person to the next. So it's really fun to watch. But up first, let's hear what's going on in the Ithaca area with our community beat. The Ithaca Central School District has been considering three different options for the upcoming school year, but has yet to announce which one they'll be using for when the semester starts on the projected date of October 5th. Option one honors students of all levels of their family's choice of whether to send their child for in-person or remote learning. Option two is a hybrid model that has elementary school children on a rotating in-person versus online schedule while older students will continue with complete remote learning. Option three is a model that continues with complete online learning similar to the spring for all students. Serendipity's Backlot, an outdoor restaurant and bar, and Cinemopolis have come together to begin a new program which screens movies every Saturday and Friday on the South Hill Business Campus. The program, known as Movies on the Backlot, allows for Cinemopolis to let people watch films even when theaters are shut down. The first screening took place on September 4th, next ones will be on the 11th and 12th. As Black Lives Matter protests have been taking the nation by storm for the past four months, there is now a local coalition of paddle sports athletes that will be holding a peaceful waterfront event on September 12th from 1 p.m. on Stewart Park Shore. Many participants will display Black Lives Matter flags and other BLM regalia in support of the movement, as well as fundraising for policies for the advancement of Black Lives. The ICST School District has brought about new protocols for the transportation of students on school buses. This includes assigned seating to maintain social distancing, an obligation for all boarding to wear masks, and the district is recommending that bus drivers open the top hatch to improve air circulation. The school year is expected to start in October. The City of Ithaca has recanted its announcement that Sunrise Road will be closed from September 1st to October 15th. The construction has been rescheduled and the road will only be closed Monday, September 14th from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. The construction is expected to primarily affect traffic eastbound of Hector Street. All questions, compliments, and concerns can be directed to Ithaca's Department of Streets and Facilities at 607-272-1718. College Ave will be closed on Monday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. This will be from Dryden Road to Campus Road in order to allow for the construction of a crane for the Cornell Performing Arts Center. On street parking and a few loading zones will allow people to reach businesses on the closed portion of the street. For Chess Cabrera, I'm Jack DiBattetto, WICB News. With some college students coming back to the area, and reopening continuing throughout the state, WICB News correspondent Celine Tutar spoke to Gary Ferguson of the Downtown Ithaca Alliance to hear more about how the area is faring and what's looking at in the future. I'm 
Gary Ferguson, and I'm the executive director of the Downtown Ithaca Alliance here in Downtown Ithaca. As we know, Ithaca didn't have the usual summer with a lot of tourists pouring in or many students staying there, even though I was there for the summer. Um, how did that affect the local businesses? Well, it's interesting. Um, the tourist actually trade be did pick up. Um, it recovered partially. We just did a report. We have traffic, we have pedestrian traffic counters on our, on, on the commons. Uh, they're sort of high tech counters and they uh, allow us to, um, you know, at, analyze sort of what's, what's happening from a traffic, foot traffic standpoint at any point in time. And so we did a report from the start of the pandemic until just now. Um, and we are about at 50% of foot traffic that we would normally see. And that's a lot, of, that, that's up substantially. We, at, at, uh, in April and May, we were about down 85%, which was, you know, not so good. <laughs> and at that point, most of the businesses and things were closed, as, as you recall. So um, um, uh, foot traffic has improved. Uh, and, and a lot of it's being driven by, actually, had been driven at least in July and August uh, by visitors. Um, Ithaca seems to have been a place where visitors, particularly folks from the region uh, or from our sort of uh, Northeast, uh, are feeling comfortable coming. Uh, because it doesn't feel like it's so bad here. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a driving distance. Uh, it feels safe uh, as opposed to, hey, let's go to New York City or let's go to Philadelphia or let's go to DC. Uh, that, they don't, it's, it's, uh, so I think we're, we've been, we benefited from that a little bit. Um, but foot traffic still is down, uh, it, even though it's recovered somewhat and, and, and our, our, our lodging industry has recovered a little bit. You know, right now there there have been they've occupancy rates have gotten up to 60, 70 percent, um, which is great. Um, but this time of year, on you know, weekends, they 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 were at 100 percent. So um, so we're still obviously while we've recovered greatly, uh, we haven't uh, we're not anywhere near where we want to be. So for starters, uh, you've seen some recovery, but some um, additional lagging. Uh, and obviously, a lot of that lagging is a result of um, uh, a change in the economy and a change in students, uh, student traffic. Um, uh, when you send, you know, upwards to 30,000 students home, uh, uh, actually it wasn't because obviously some of them stayed here. But if you send upwards to 20,000 students home, you know, it's certainly going to have an impact on the local economy. And, 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 and it has. And um, in terms of having an impact, there were a couple of businesses that shut down, but there were a lot of businesses that also recently opened over the summer. What do you think are some yeah. factors that contribute to that? The pandemic um, has been, you know, it's interesting. COVID-19 strikes people the worst who are most, I think, compromised or who are most susceptible. Um, and that's irrespective of age. I mean, obviously, older people probably are more susceptible but there are young people who are susceptible and it, it hurts them equal with, equal, with equal veracity. Um, in the same way, I think <laughs> um, it affected the business sector as well. Businesses that were struggling, businesses that were sort of, you know, working to get to normal, getting, get, get themselves established, businesses that had underlying issues that they were trying to work through, they were most susceptible. And, and, and in many cases, 
when businesses have closed, it's been because of that. Uh, in some cases, there have been businesses that have closed that were said, you know, we were thinking of closing in the next five years, the next three years, the next two years, but you know what? This is enough. <laughs> um, you know, and so there's been some, you know, some of that happened as well. I think we fared here in Ithaca better than a lot of places because we have a relatively strong economy. But um, nevertheless, you know, we regret losing anybody uh, in any business. And it's, uh, it's been painful to watch some of these businesses struggle and to watch some of these businesses just go out. Um, and we're now working on trying to do a, a program to work on pop-up retail to, you know, fill some of the vacancies uh, in the short term and obviously working to, in the long term, to, to bring new businesses back to, to, to the community and help new businesses get started. And we've been, there's been some success. What's been interesting to see, as and you mentioned that, was that, yeah, there are new businesses coming into our community. And that's reassuring, I think, for a lot of people, because there's a sense that even in this difficult time, there are people who are betting on the future of, of, of Ithaca. And, and that's good to see. You're listening to correspondent Celine Tutar speak to Gary Ferguson of the Downtown Ithaca Alliance for Ithaca Now and WICB. And Ithaca College announced that they're going fully remote. Um, and the plan was released in early August. And I'm assuming that many businesses, such as many students, were um, planning the return of those students. How did that affect the businesses? Well, um, it's hard to tell. Um, some businesses don't have a whole lot of interaction with students on a regular basis and for them it won't be such a big deal. Others, you know, and students were a key part of their business model. <laughs> for them, it will be a big deal. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. We have to see how many people are going to let, let would be like, you know, so many people like yourself who will be staying here in Ithaca um, and might, you know, still be part of our local economy in one way, shape or form um, versus people who are, you know, in, in, in sitting in their homes in Northern New Jersey where they have absolutely no relationship to what's going on here. Um, so it, um, uh, time will tell. I, I don't, I don't know yet. Um, but, uh, obviously, you know, if people are not here in the economy, then, you know, it, it, it makes a difference. Uh, there's no question about it. So we certainly were concerned about what, what would happen with IC and we were, obviously, you know, doubly concerned about what was going to happen to Cornell because they're that much bigger. We're still, you know, crossing our fingers and hoping things will go well with Cornell. There is a, yeah, if students are not here in mass, it makes a, it would make a discernible difference in the way the economy runs, uh, to be sure. And, and I think businesses that, that, that cater to, uh, to, to students, uh, in some respects, um, um, you know, they're, Buying inventory, obviously, in anticipation of, you know, they're, they're hiring people in anticipation of, of serving people. Uh, you know, if that doesn't come to pass, obviously, that, that's, a, that's an issue. So, you know, uh, but again, it varies by, by business type. Um, you know, I, I may be a, 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 you know, a pizza restaurant that does takeout, you know, and a big thing for students. Well, if students aren't there to take deliveries, <laughs> no one's delivering to New Jersey. Um, you know, we're delivering up the hill. Uh, so it's, uh, um, um, you know, that would have a big implication on uh, 
and, and in that case, it's probably less an inventory question and more a, you know, a personnel thing. Uh, I can't keep as many people on the, on the payroll, for example. So. Mm -hmm. And um, as you mentioned, Cornell's student body is much larger than IC's and their students have mostly returned. Um, has that been a positive effect on um, the business morale so far? What about foot traffic? Has that increased or are they mostly staying home? Well, like I say, uh, I haven't checked the foot traffic counters over the last week, and that's something we probably need to do, uh, is to go back and see, all right, given, you know, the students, we've certainly seen an uptick uh, of people in the community, and I suspect, you've, you know, we've seen that in downtown as well. Um, so I think we'd have to, you know, quantify that a little bit more and kind of get a sense of what that means. Um, we have to always judge that carefully. For example, you know, in downtown, this is the time of year where we're still doing summer concerts, where we're, which we're doing remotely now. Uh, this is the time of year when we've had uh, uh, CU downtown, you know, the welcome back student weekends. Um, if we just compare year over year, we'll clearly see a lot less just from those things alone. We were great. It, we were very grateful to hear that uh, Cornell uh, is able to try to continue on. The community as a whole is it always very interesting. You've probably heard a lot of the you know discussion in the community about is this good, is this bad? Some people love it, some people hate it. Um, you know, and it's um, it's a very interesting situation where um, um, people get nervous, and 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 I you know we understand. You know, in a situation like this, you kind of understand that. And everybody's just trying to do the best they can, I think, all the way around. And um, um, But it doesn't mean everybody is always on the same page thinking about what's best for the community. Um, but I think I, at this point, I think in, by large measure, the business community is grateful uh, for what's happening. Um, uh, and I see has been pretty, uh, I think, open to us about how many people they think are going to be here in the community are going to stay like, like you are uh, versus how many people are going to be home. Um, so that, that, that's, that's helpful as well. Um, so the more, the more transparent people are, the more I think we share information, uh, the more we kind of know what sort of game plans can be down the road, the better. Where it gets tricky and where it gets challenging is, you know, for example, the, you know, the governor has made it very clear. If any institution has 100 cases, you know, finite period of time, um, you go to remote learning for two weeks um, um, and you reassess and you may not come back. Um, well, you know, that's hard to, it's the uncertainty that makes it very difficult, I think, for a community to operate well. Um, so the more certainty there is, the, uh, the easier it is to get things done. And you mentioned the pop-ups that are being organized to help businesses. Are there any other efforts by the city or your organization that are um, helping to uplift the businesses? Oh yeah, we've been doing that since, since the get-go. In April and May, for example, when, when the pandemic was really raging, um, uh, we had a special program here where we put together a, a, a forgivable loan program, essentially, essentially a grant program where uh, we provided uh, uh, really emergency assistance to, to um, oh geez, it was about 140 businesses uh, altogether. There's, uh, we've had some other programs that uh, we've helped people get enrolled and be, uh, understand what federal uh, resources are out there. 
get people engaged in the PPP program and the IDLE program. Um, uh, literally, over the last couple of days, we've been working. There's another program that was put together. Uh, the city took the lead on this one, and we've been helping them with. Um, uh, it's called an anchor storefront loan program, where uh, we're providing traditional loans, uh, low interest, flexible traditional loans to, uh, uh, to, and we call them anchor businesses. People have been around for a while. That, you know, we'd like to make sure they stay here, uh, and so we're uh, just we're in the process of reviewing and going through those uh, applications to try to help people. So there, there's been a number of programs that we have put together and efforts, whether they whether it's kind of linking people to data, to good information, or whether it's, uh, you know, trying to get people direct financial help uh, that we've been doing to try to help businesses uh, stay afloat. Uh, and we continue to meet with businesses weekly uh, here at the DIA. We have weekly call-ins. And monthly meetings, uh, you know, with our merchant community. Uh, so we um, are trying very hard. Obviously, we worked on the the, the streetery project, uh, and we tried to help restaurants throughout downtown and in the area to try to expand their footprints beyond just you know if they if they can only operate at fifty percent uh, total, you know, and and they have very small operations. Well, they need to get more table space outside. And that's been helpful for a number of businesses. Um, and the, the streetery project, frankly, on Aurora Street, has been really great, and 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 has helped a number of businesses there. Um, as it's starting to get colder, I'm starting to get more worried that all right, well, at some point, people aren't going to want to sit outside, and so you know the the problems of restaurants are going to not go away. Uh, probably going to get worse because one of their tools for helping them was outdoor dining and. You and I are probably aren't going to sit outside in December. Uh, <laughs> not, not very long. No. no. <laughs> um, those are all the questions I have. Is there anything you'd like to add? No, I mean, not really. I mean, other than to say, you know, it's really, uh, I would encourage students who are here to, to the extent that they can, you know, uh, be part of the community. Um, I, 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 you know, um, in the business community in Ithaca, it, most of them are small independent businesses and they depend on, on, on you and I to be able to uh, uh, stay afloat. And to the extent that we can do some of our purchases local, not do everything online, <laughs> it's hard, but it's, it's, it's really important, um, you know, I mean, we have some, an example, you know, it's so easy to buy books online, but you know what? We have bookstores here and many of them are working hard to stay afloat. Um, and if, you know, if a thousand people said, wow, maybe I should make a purchase at one of these. It's the difference between surviving and not surviving. So I, I think there's a role for all of us, including students in trying to help, um, a lot of small businesses make it. And um, uh, I would urge people to, who are listening to try to do their part with that, recognizing that, you know, you're not gonna do everything local. You're not gonna do everything, you know, some of the stuff you're gonna do online, I get it. But there's, a really, there's really an opportunity for all of us to try to reach out, be part of the community and do our part to help folks uh, hang in there because we want a strong, vibrant community. You know, it's important, it's important to us all. And, and I think everybody has a role to play in that.
You're listening to Ithaca Now on 92 WICB. I'm your host, Jordan Broking. With most theaters now designated to Zoom and other streaming services, be it national or local, many people are missing the in-person experiences that the medium does best in. Well, this and next weekend, the Cherry Arts Collective is opening their socially distanced show, The Fan, in Stewart Park. WICB correspondent Christian Maitre and news director Jay Bradley spoke to the Cherry's artistic director about the upcoming show and what their upcoming season will be like. Good evening. For WICB News, I'm Christian Maitre. This morning, the news director of WICB, Jay Bradley, and I interviewed Samuel Bug Ellen, the artistic director of the Cherry Art Space in Ithaca, New York. From September 17th to the 26th, the Cherry Art Space will be performing a rendition of The Fan by Carlo Goldoni. The Cherry Art Space is bringing its theaters to its audience through an innovative COVID-safe strategy that takes into account the dangerous health risks in this unprecedented time. The production will be presented on a large outdoor space, and the audience will be separated into their own reserve spots that are spaced by 10 feet. Cherry Arts is also implementing other restrictions to ensure the safety of their audience. So I was just looking at the press release and looking at, you know, all the information surrounding the fan. Um, and it kind of talked about this, but how is the, in your words, how is the fan um, really adapted for COVID? Right. Well, um, so of course, everything is uh, so different now. You have to really think uh, creatively to make any kind of performance happen, especially live in-person performance. And um, so uh, we were thinking about how could you do show a show outdoors um, really effectively wearing masks. And, um, you know, there are these traditions of um, comedy from other eras where, where the characters did wear masks. And one of them is called Commedia dell'arte, French, seven, uh, sorry, Italian, 17th century. And um, it was a really big style of goofy physical comedy uh, with, uh, with, with big characters um, kind of all running around falling down, that sort of thing. And uh, we thought, boy, it would really be nice to just do something fun, bring the people together, make them laugh. And we had this idea, um, we had it actually based on a, a kind of avant-garde dance piece that we, I had seen that I was really taken by of like, what if, what if you moved, what if the cast moved to pre-recorded dialogue? So we would have one cast that records all of the dialogue and we can do funny things with it, with the recording. Um, and one cast that moves to the dialogue wearing masks and you don't have to worry about people you know basically singing or speaking live on stage in a way that you are um audible to an audience makes you a super spreader and so <laughs> that seems like a thing to avoid doing and so so we have folks uh um just uh running around doing this like sort of big heightened comic movement exactly in sync with the recorded dialogue and um it works amazingly well. It's really funny. And, um, you know, it lets people kind of dance to the talking in a way because they don't have to do the talking. It's not their own voice. Um, so, so that's how it works. Um, and uh, and it's, it's pretty cool, I have to say. No, it's very interesting because I was reading about it and I was reading about the whole thing, um, limp syncing without lips, mostly uh, <laughs> what you just described. Um, that whole... Uh, concept is kind of cool um, that you guys are using that. Yeah. Um, well, and we found, sorry, well, we found I'm that, going, uh, I'm sorry, keep going. Oh, uh, well, we found that actually um, you don't, because so much of the entertainment that we see is mic'd, it doesn't actually, we're very used to looking at someone 
in one place and hearing their voice come out of speakers that are someplace else. So it's actually not as weird as it seems. And, um, you know, so yes, there's no lips, but, um, uh, but we have funny mouths sewn on elaborate COVID masks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, and so tell me about like the plot and kind of story surrounding the, the fan. Um, sure. Yeah, sure. So it's a very, um, like this style of theater, it's very goofy. I got to tell you, it's really, it's really light. We liked it because it takes place in a sort of town square, like a small town commons of a small town in Italy um, in 1670. Um, uh, that is uh, a sort of small town outside of a big city where people go to summer. And so it seemed to have some things in common with Ithaca and it kind of a great show to do outdoors. But basically it's a very silly story about like the visiting young nobleman who falls in love with the you know young rich girl and tries to buy her a present smuggle a fan to her um to show her his secret love and um of course that would have been super scandalous then and so you know he he uh basically the trying to sneak this to her it passes through the hands of everybody in the city who in the town who all misinterpret it and think it's evidence of someone else having an affair with someone else and uh you know chaos ensues and uh finally the fan gets to the right person and all the couples wind up with the right people <laughs> the way oh, these boy. comedies tend to go <laughs> yeah um, uh so it's a fun show i mean and the fun thing is that we uh you know you uh it gets said a lot, and not to be Pollyanna, but, you know, challenges become opportunities for creativity. Like, um, it's it's literally a play about one thing getting passed from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. And that's literally a thing that you cannot do now. So everybody has an identical fan, and we try to work out, like, creative ways to pass, you know, quote, unquote, pass the fan from one person to the next. So it's really fun to watch. Yeah, that sounds really cool. You are listening to correspondent Christian Maitre speak to Sam Bugelin of the Cherry Arts Collective for Ithaca Now on WICB. So I was also reading about the original author of what the uh, play was, or the work was based on. His name was Carlos Goldoni. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, Carlo Goldoni, yeah. yeah. Uh, is, there any, um, is there any historical significance about his character that kind of goes into the show? Or does uh, his inspiration yeah. play a partner? Car- I mean, the main thing about Carlo Goldoni is that there's this, fa- this, this play of his that's very famous called The Servant of Two Masters, and it gets produced a lot because it's super funny, again, super farcical, super uh, goofy. And um, we, uh, so we immediately thought of that play because it would be perfect for the style. And then we were like, ah, eh, but everyone does super, it's been done, like it's probably had three productions in Ithaca in the last 15 years. So we thought, okay, let's do something. <laughs> let's do a different Goldoni play. And then hilariously, it turns out the man wrote 150 comedies and basically all of them are tied for second place. Like nobody does any of the other comedies. So, so we had to like dig through all of these, um, all of these obscure ones. Uh, and they're all pretty good. They're all, de- I mean, when you're dealing with plays that old, a lot of them are deal breakers. Uh, for whatever reason, they're not. The story's not going to be legible. But uh, finally, we came upon the fan. It's this big cast again, like set in a small town outdoors. And it was just perfect. So that must have been like hitting a gold mine. It was. We like read that. it, and we were like, "That's so great." We were like, "Oh man, this could really work." And then it's it's fun because you hope that like 
you know, we'll try to get the adaptation that we made then, you know, published somewhere so that like other people who are like, we love Servant of Two Masters, but don't want to, can't do it again. Like, have a, yeah. <laughs> we, we found another one, folks. Yeah, you kind of tailor to that niche market, which is kind of, kind of cool. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of schools like to do those sorts of shows because they're big casts and it's a way to explore a different kind of moving on stage and fun yeah. and all that. Yeah, it's a different art form. Um, yeah. And uh, what other things can like people expect from the cherry just uh, from your production company? What other things? Like right. Well, so as planned. Sure. The, so the cherry is, um, you know, still a newish company, about five years old. Um, we've been working out of the cherry art space, which is a little um, sort of flexible uh, performance space on the in the west end, on the water there, on the on the inlet. And um, so we and we focus more on, you know, kind of experimental, kind of in, in, in international plays. And um, uh, so, yeah, we're just a little more alt maybe than, um, you know, the other theaters in town. And so I feel like that really positioned us well to be like, okay, ready to think outside the box for how to do productions now. So we actually announced a full season, which we're really proud of because not many theater companies in the country are, doing that and um but we were like okay we've done live stream video before we've done live video mixing before um we've done elaborate sound design before we've done non-realistic ways of staging things it's a, what we do and um but we always do it in ways that are like fun and funny and accessible so so we really felt set up to to make a real season um so this is the first one this big outdoor lip sync without lips comedy and then we're doing a couple of um live stream plays really beautiful plays plays that we are going to do actually in the season anyway one from quebec and one from mexico both of them the first time in english um and we're gonna do sort of beautiful live streams of those the idea is to feel like you're watching an indie movie get made in real time basically um with the actors sort of performing distance from one another but you know, live mixing the video. So it's challenging, um, but really exciting. And then we're ending up the season with um, another kind of show that we've done before called a headphone walking play, where you go to a place and you get some headphones or you bring your own in this case, and um, you get told where to walk and you get told the stories, fictional and historical. And that's going to be, uh, this, that one's called Trapdoor and it's written by a local writer who's a wonderful poet Lyra Van Cleve Stefanen, and she is a National Book Award nominee, poet, amazing writer, and, and she's going to be writing it um, with some collaborators about the histories of the Underground Railroad and the civil rights sort of um, heroes of Ithaca. So that's, that's our season, um, our little COVID safety season. Oh, um, sounds interesting. I like how you put it where you like, um, it's kind of like watching how an indie movie is getting made. Um, yeah. That's cool uh, to think about. Yeah, basically we have um, a lot, a lot of streaming theater around the country basically looks like Zoom. It basically looks like a Zoom call and you, with maybe some bells and whistles get added to it. And we are really trying to get outside of that. So it looks like, you know, so it looks like a TV show. It looks like a, like a weird movie, but we're making it in real time with actors like live performing in that moment and video mixing as we go on the fly. So it's really complicated, but it's really cool and fun if we can, if we can swing it. <laughs> yeah. 
could you just tell me how the uh, setup for in Stewart Park for the show? Just yeah. Figure out more about the safety uh, procedures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're all, you know, the actors are all on this big outdoor stage, all masked, all not touching one another or, or handing off props. And the audience, we're doing that thing that uh, you see pictures of, of drawing big circles on the grass, big 10 foot diameter circles. They're all 10 feet from each other. And so the audience comes in sort of reserves a pod, we're calling them, and you come from with one to five people and you sit in your pod in the middle of a circle. And, uh, you know, we're asking people to bring their own chairs, even folding chairs, so that, you know, there's just the minimum of touching of other people's stuff, you know, and um, or stuff that other people have touched. So we have chairs if that's absolutely prohibitive. But um, uh, so, yeah, everyone will be outdoors in your little pod way more than 10 feet apart from your nearest other pod and 20 feet away from the stage at least. And um, then nice breeze going in Stewart Park all the time. So um, it's really, you know, we discussed it all with the city and, um, and the city of Ithaca has been extremely helpful in facilitating this. And, um, and, you know, we talked through all the things and they said, you know what, that is, that is all of the, everything we were going to ask, that's, that plan covers. And so, so we got the go ahead to do it. And I was just really super, super pleased about that. That's great. And I, um, I appreciate it. Um, is there anything, that's all I had personally. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to add or Jay, um, do you have any questions? Uh, I mean, I guess I would say um, we're psyched about it and they're already, um, one, of the, one of the eight performances is already booked up um, and it's free by donation. And so if you want to, um, uh, if you're interested in checking it out, do it. Get yourself uh, booked up soon because because uh, I think it's going to be popular. And you can you can find all the information at thecherry.org. I guess uh, I guess my only question is like how how did you do rehearsals for the show? How did how did like socially distant rehearsals for the show? Happen? Yeah, we did. Um, well, look, there's but there have been a few other. Um, socially distant productions not nothing like exactly like this one in the country but um we but we were able to look at their policies for example like every actor gets a i mean first there were there all the rehearsals and the recording of the voiceovers and so that was just all on skype or zoom uh so that's you know had its own complications but it but COVID wise, it was fine. And then, so rehearsing, we just always rehearsed outdoors. Every actor got their own little box with all of, with, you know, pencils and disinfecting stuff and they could keep their props in there and their, um, and their personal stuff. And they were the people who have to handle it. And um, same thing with costumes, all that stuff. We just, you know, we just stayed outdoors and masked all the time. Um, so um, yeah, so that's just, uh, that's just what we did. And, and folks were, yeah, it felt very responsible. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for right. taking the time. And Thanks real so quick, so where should people go if they're interested? They should go to thecherry.org, www.thecherry.org. And uh, right on the homepage, there's a place to learn more about the production and to reserve your spots. We encourage people to donate, even though the tickets are free, because um, that is how we get our artists paid. And the fan is this weekend, this coming weekend, and the next. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks, Christian. Thanks, Jay. Great to meet you both. Oh, no.
The Cherry Art Space will be showing the fan from September 17th to the 26th. For more radio news stories, visit WICB.org or listen live at 91.7 FM. For WICB News, I'm Christian Matry. That was Christian Maitre and Jay Bradley speaking to Sam Bugelin of the Cherry Arts Collective in Ithaca. Their list of upcoming theater streaming performances can be found on the Cherry.org's event page. The fan opens this Thursday night, and tickets can be RSVP'd on the Cherry's website. And that's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org. And if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear the show anywhere, anytime. Also, subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't happen without the support from Manager of Television and Radio Operations Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager Sam Ives, Programming Director Lou Barron, News Director Jay Bradley, News Managing Director Celine Tutar, Programming Director Hemadri Saith, and all of our correspondents. Thank you. All the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at WICB.org. We will be back with another full episode of Ithaca Now next Sunday at 7 p.m. I'm Jordan Broking, and thank you for listening to Ithaca Now on WICB.